welcome back to another episode of the ADH Dads. I'm your host, CJ. I'm JJ. And man, I got my uh, first recording session from the, the new studio here, man. So I got uh, empty boxes all in my background <laughs> and, and my wife's nail stuff you can see here in my, in my top left corner. <laughs> And uh, suppose this was this this area of the wall here is supposedly supposed my my ADH dad stuff. So I have this little <laughs> little space right here, this little two and a half foot space that I can put a logo up right there, and then I'd have to <laughs> to put the webcam all the way in the corner here like that. So <laughs> we she's taking over. There? Yeah, and uh, my side right here that I'm looking at is completely done with all mail supply stuff too. So my wife <laughs> is uh, moving on up in the social media influencer food chain, and uh, right. I'm just I'm just uh, put 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 daddy in the corner here is uh, <laughs> is where I'm at. So I guess we got to get a, a couple more ten thousand subscribers like she has before I I get a little bit more wall space. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I hear that recording uh, booths are a lot like closets. So if you end up in the closet, buddy, you're in a great place for uh, sound quality. So, and speaking of sound quality, man, did we have a couple of episodes of of tin can uh, recordings with our audio issues? But I think we got them figured out today. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's uh, all my fault. So I apologize <laughs> to you, listeners. There, life has been chaotic for me lately, and I guess just you know my scattered brain. I just didn't do a good tech check. So I think I was recording through my uh, my my ear pods here for the last couple of episodes. Uh, I think we're we're back in the right input channels here, and I did a little uh, sound check before we press record. So hopefully, all will be taken care of. If not. Damn it, me, and I'm sorry again. We'll figure it out. But thanks for guy or thank you guys for being patient with us as as we as we knuckleheads figure this out. I mean, I think we're at a good time where we could just blame everything on AI um, when things don't go well. So you know, and we're probably in the early stages of actually the true catastrophe that's coming. So right now we're we're doing pretty well, buddy. Before Skynet <laughs> launches, <laughs> pretty sure it's. I'm pretty sure they're in a soft launch right now. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be Amazon net that launches and takes over the world. <laughs> Those drones flying your packages in are really, they're, they're stealing your souls is what they're doing. So. <laughs> but yeah, man, wanted to uh, talk to you about it's what the first, second week of summer break here, at, at least for us. So, uh, man, mm. I, what do summer strategies look like, guys? I mean, what are you doing with your kids while they're home? Are you shipping them off to summer camp are you plugging them in front of a screen all summer or you making them join some some sports program or some sleepaway camp what are you doing with your kids this summer because this could like go one of two ways right it's like either dreadful to some parents or we really lean in and we do some intention with it so i'm uh i've got a mixed bag of of both feelings buddy i don't know where you're at but I've got a lot of fear and, and hope going into this second week of summer. Well, that's good. I've got a lot of fear and fear. Um, but <laughs> when you when you mentioned the screens thing, if any kids are listening, they're like, well, did he say screens? Yeah, that, that option. I want that option. That's what my kid was saying. Oh, man. You know, well, one of the things, too, is uh, I learn so much and also fail so much with my kiddo. And the end of the school year is a great example of how I just didn't get prepared for it. And honestly, in some ways, I don't know if I could be prepared for it. We're talking about ADHD and spectrum. And what does that typically 
uh, like involve for our kids and their and their comfort, it usually means if we're going to create some sort of structure, we need to keep that structure in place. And therefore, their anxiety and their stress won't result in in, you know, some acting out because they have structure. But what happens at the end of school year? Oh, let's do a field day. Let's do a random recess time. Let's let's do a bunch of fun activities. The kids are going to love it. Well, then for our kiddos who are newer, you know, neurodiverse on the spectrum and, and ADHD, they're just like they're thrown through a loop. And this is this is chaos. And they're going to act out in what their world is of chaos, too. So they're going to create chaos in the world of chaos that they're sitting in. And that's exactly what we heard from kiddos uh, teachers. They said, yeah, you know, he's his regulation stuff is a bit of concern. He actually spent most of the day in, in this other classroom to help himself. And it's just it's it kind of hurts you a little bit because, you know, as a parent, in some way, it's you almost expect it, but you still want your kiddo to be involved and have a great time. And my kiddo just simply was unable to do that because his his school day was completely disrupted. And that was very hard for him. And unfortunately, when it came to transitioning into summertime, he jumped right into that as well at home. So now we're looking at. What's one thing that is a calming mechanism, something that he can keep focus with? It's that dang screen, whether yeah. that's a Nintendo game, which, you know, there's some benefit to video games, but you can't expect a kid to like do problem solving and really enhance his his critical thinking by simply being in front of a TV, playing, pushing buttons and stuff for eight hours out of the day while you're working. That's been my world this last week and it's been hard. And he, <laughs> he sits over there and he's like, dad, check this out. Dad, check this out. I'm like, Hey buddy, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's eight Oh five in the morning. I still got seven hours to go work. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then he's like, I want to go outside. And we take the dogs outside to the dog park and he starts playing fetch with them. And then he's, then he's upset because the dog's trying to keep the toy away from him. It's just nonstop chaos, buddy. And, you know, honestly, again, I, I, I put it on myself. Like I could have created a structured environment for him from school to home. But what do we do as parents? We still got to give ourselves some grace for that because we know that school structure does not equal home structure. Even if you try and create a schedule that might look somewhat similar, they're in a different environment and they're going to they're going to feel that. And yeah. my kiddo, at least, uh, and I'm sure you can relate to this, he's not of the age where I can say, all right, get on your bike and I'll see you at you know, dinner time. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of responsibility on my end to, to uh, you know, have, a, have some sort of safety and security for him. And I haven't done the best of jobs with that or job with that. But I could say, you know, knowing our visit with you guys um, prior to your move, you had a structured, you know, schedule on the wall. Expectations were, you know, written up there as well as, you know, reward systems and stuff. So you had something in place for a, a daily environment for these kiddos that I wondered if transition wasn't so challenging for them for summer. But then you then you all had a grenade thrown in the room and now here you are in a, in a brand new room and a new place. And so I imagine summer is just part of the equation, huh? 
Yeah, it's uh, we are definitely in a very avant-garde, experimental phase of our summer uh, planning right now because it, it is just chaos. You know, we we started packing stuff up a couple weeks before uh, the last week of school. You know, so we were living out of boxes. Things were going away. Things were missing. You know, which put a, a big wrench in a neurodivergent kid's schedule. Right? Where's my thing? Where's my blanket? Where's my this? Where's my that? And we can't find it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's at the old house, it's at the new house, it's in the garage, it's in storage, it's in the truck, you know, like, we don't know where it is. So we have just defaulted into here's the screen and go, go sit, go sit on the floor in the corner until we can get all this stuff sorted through. So it's been chaos, my friend. I am right there with you. Um, you know, we, we had a little bit of a summer structure, um, planned with uh, summer camp for three days out of the week. Um, and but then we moved and that summer camp is now an hour away. So you know, we could still take the kids to summer camp uh, that is already paid for and that we have spots for. Um, but it would, you know, be a good two hours of, of driving time or, or three to four really to go get them come back get them, drop them off, come back again, you know, so uh, we were experimenting with having them home for the last couple of weeks as we're going through boxes and it's it's been a little chaos you know for sure um our kids have come into the room every night and you know they've said they've had bad dreams they don't like the new room they don't like the sounds or the this or the that or the dark or the you know whatever so uh, we haven't gotten a lot of one-on-one -on -one time, the wife and I. We haven't gotten a lot of bonding time throughout this process. We're still just scraping by, man, trying to just get our lives organized at this moment. So, uh, yeah, to, to be continued on, on the structure of it all. So I hope you guys weren't listening today with, like, a hopes of, like, we were going to give you t tools and tips and tricks on how to plan your summer because we're just as lost as you guys. You know what, buddy, I want to, I kind of want to push back just a little bit on that because I think you, through the process, you also learn what, what you can do in those, in those moments. Um, you know, like I, I, one of the things that I thought about when you were talking about summer camp now being an hour away is, is that, you know, we, we get these, we get these pieces of advice or, you know, we look up the ways to, to, you know, um, create structure. And then, you know, there's always that question that creeps up in my mind is like, well, yeah, but I'm still dealing with a kid and that kid's gonna, you know, whine and complain and the the schedule or the expectation I have that this is what's going to make the day successful is going to be thrown out the window at some point. It's not going to just be magical and work every time. So then, you know, it's it's, it's that question that comes up in every, every parent's head. It's like, well, yeah, that's great and all, but what what do I do when this you know, there's always something else that could take place. And how many ABCD plans do you create? Is that is that really a, a, an expectation we put on ourselves? Like, okay, I've got plan A. Oh, now plan B. Now plan C. Now plan D. I mean, where do you where do you draw the line and say, all right, you know, this is the this is the catch all for when nothing else is working? Yeah. Well, you know, and I think us being in this uh, transition phase here is really a good time to restructure. And it, that it kind of came at a, 
opportune moment for our family as um, our oldest was going through her evaluation process. Uh, we got back not only an ADHD um, diagnosis, but uh, an ASD level one. So that's autism spectrum disorder. Uh, level one is, as you know, uh, kind of Asperger's. They um, minimal help, uh, you know, but they will need some uh, help navigating some social dynamics, or could be accompanied with some learning disabilities, which we've also been diagnosed with, and things to to look out for as we move older into development. Some learning disabilities like numerical and shapes and and that kind of stuff. So she's going to struggle in math, which, uh, oh man, I struggled in math. So I, and they're changing math, JJ. It's different now from when we were kids, man. I don't know how I'm going to help her with it. Yeah. And you most, pe most, most kids, most kids would prefer to struggle in math than to try and figure out math, honestly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, we, uh, we, we were hit with an 88 page report, uh, and spent two and a half hours with that evaluator on, uh, over the phone, uh, going over every little bit of detail and, and asking questions. So that was a very humbling experience um, to to think of this diagnosis in a new way, other than when we first started this journey six months ago, and we were so sure that it was going to be an ADHD thing, you know, so we might have to change the name of this podcast to the Neurodiverdads. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could um, be the ADHSD, I don't know. We'll, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, you know, so it's, uh, we've, you know, been really kind of thinking about how we're going to restructure her, her, her structuring in her organization, you know, because that really seems to be uh, um, a, a, a part that really needs work with with her and us and our households, you know, and figuring out what that looks like. And, um, you know, we've actually had some really great talks with Naomi about that diagnosis. And she's been very curious um, as we've gone along this process. What's my diagnosis? What's my diagnosis yet? You know, and we're like, what? What do you mean? What, what does that word mean to you? Where, where did you hear that word? And she knows, well, Coley went through his process. He got evaluated and he got a diagnosis. So I, you know, she knows that she's been waiting for this quote unquote diagnosis at the end of this, whatever that means. And she wants to put a, a term to it. And she seemed to have a little bit of fear going into ADHD, you know, oh, stepdad's got this. And well, I don't know if I want it. What does that mean for me? You know, um, <laughs> But now that we're, we've been using the word autism or, or ASD, um, she seems to be almost excited about it. And I say that in a way that because when we were talking about what ASD means um, or autism means and how it shows up in her life or how her brain maybe uh, just works in a different way, she seemed to resonate with that a lot. You know, mm. she was, oh, that's me. Hey, I do that. Oh, hey, I, sometimes I can have a trouble, trouble talking to friends or understanding what their feelings are. Or, hey, sometimes I do that. And that was really cool contrast to see in her from the, I don't want ADHD, Coley has it, what, what does that mean? I don't know what it means and I don't like it to, hey, I, hey, I might have this. Hey, that sounds like me. Wow, that's me. You're describing me, a girl like me. And that was really cool to watch, man. 
you know? And it was very humbling to us as parents, to my wife and myself to go along this, this process and to see these things that we, we kind of wrote off as, oh, well, that's ADHD, you know, or whatever. And to see, well, oh shoot. Okay. It's, it's actually this ASD. And, and one of the ways that the evaluator explained it to us is that um, this is all on the same spectrum. You know, ADHD, mm -hmm. Asperger's, ASD level one, two, and three. And level three is more like nonverbal, need a lot of assistance living. And, you know, to, to kind of put it into perspective of this is all on the same scale or, or, or radar screen here, you know, um, I don't know why my brain didn't resonate with that before or see that. I mean, a lot of the, the, the behavioral traits that we talk about and the, the neuro, the executive function stuff that we, we discuss on this podcast seems very in line with, with ADHD to ASD, right? Like mm -hmm. they just seem like maybe the variation of, of severity, you know, and, or how they express themselves is really what the difference is, you know, and, we talk about that every day we press record on this thing, but it was just right. kind of eye-opening and humbling to hear this evaluator say that it's all basically the same thing. It's just on the same spectrum. It's just, again, the severity of the displays in, in our kids' personalities. So that was like, whoa, you know, oh, man, we, we've been looking at this, you know, not in the wrong way, but just not maybe with a wide enough, wide enough uh, range of focus here. You know, so we've been kind of just restructuring and what does that look like in helping her structure and and get herself organized and be able to to manage tasks without us having to be Naomi, 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 you got to Naomi, Naomi, you know, because um, that's the ultimate goal, right? It's how she, can she be independent function? And so it's been it's been humbling to to try to figure that out as we transition this old house into this new house where we're looking for our old tactics and our old, you know, our, our, our old chalkboard schedules and our, in our, in our pom pom jars in our, in our little things that we, we had in place that we can't find now. And that we're honestly probably going to have to restructure and reconsider and, and re-implement and, and rethink as we go into a new house with a, a new place for things and a new routine and a new way of doing things. So I think it's kind of an opportune moment for our family. A long-winded uh, answer to your question here, buddy, <laughs> is I, I'm kind of looking at it as a good opportune moment, even though yeah. we've been having uh, quite a bit of hiccups in the last few weeks here as we try to figure out what it looks like and what direction to go. Um, you know, I think our presence and our openness to it and our willingness to fail, step in shit, and have to trudge through the mud uh, during these weeks as we figure it out is is giving us the answers slowly but surely if 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 we're open to it. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm just trying to wrap my head around asking a question that I think maybe somebody else who's, you know, going through something similar would want to ask. And, and you, you know, you mentioned this 88 page report and Naomi's kind of, uh, you know, acknowledging herself from within while also reading about uh, what something like this diagnosis would mean for her. Um, and then, you know, in addition to that, you said, you know, we have to rethink, but you also said, uh, you know, it's all on a spectrum. And that was kind of something that uh, really made a lot of sense. So you were in some ways already building a skill set toward helping her, you know, as, as she continues to develop and grow, what, what 
does that look like? Did you have like a circle of here's here's everything within the circle we can do um, to to help provide safety and security for her? Did that circle just get a little bit larger because now we're talking ASD as well? Or what what rethinking took place? Does, did you have to evaluate what you were doing in a new like a new way or was it really just let's let's modify slightly or, or how, yeah, how did that go? Or how is well, that going? Well, you know, some of the things um, we were kind of doing, like uh, we do a reward system with where we had jars and we would fill the jars up with pom-poms. So certain chores or tasks or deeds get you so many pom-poms. Once the jar is filled, you get to pick your prize for the day. You know, sometimes we do dessert, sometimes we do video game time or whatever, whatever, whatever. And we let the kids pick what those rewards are. And one of them was really cute. One of them was get to tickle Coley for five minutes. So they wanted to fill their jar and out of all the things that they could reward themselves with, it was five minutes of tickle time with me where they tickle me because I'm super ticklish. They love that they can get me on the ground and I laugh and roll and can't control myself, you know, so that was kind of cute. And, you know, that a lot of the stuff in this report of the recommended behavioral tactics or, or things to think about um, is like flashcards or these kind of reward systems, you know, um, and what one of the things that we're trying to rethink or redo with her right now is is this flashcard system because our our pom pom or our jar system seems to work great for two three weeks and then maybe she gets bored of it we as parents fall off or get lazy with it and then it's hard to remember all of the things that need to happen to fill the jar all the things that she gets and what she doesn't get if she doesn't you know so what can we do to help her along the way throughout the day? All these things we still want to get done, right? Brush your teeth, make your bed, clean up your clothes, make yourself food, you know, things like that. So if she's not doing it to fill the jar up, we're just getting frustrated with her as parents because we're picking up the extra slack. We're getting mad that she's not, you know? So it's like, well, again, how can we do it without having to remind her? So one of the recommendations in this report was this flashcard system putting flashcards up on her mirror. Don't forget to brush your teeth or by the toilet. Don't forget to wipe, which is a big thing in our household. I don't know if you deal with that, but we have three kids. Uh, yes. None of them would wipe. It's They're almost nine years old. For nine years, they will not wipe their butts. I don't know how long it takes to, to get a kid <laughs> to do this. They will not learn. <laughs> yeah, mine doesn't, mine doesn't flush the toilet. And then when I say, hey, did, did you wipe? Yeah, well... Evidence is pretty clear. Yeah. Where's the toilet paper, kid? Where's the evidence? It's not fast dissolving. Sorry. You've been caught. Yeah. <laughs> Buddy, so, I want to ask you. Those oh, flashcards, they, they, we just are, are trying to implement that, JJ. And, and yeah, that's, that's something good. that she has also gotten some autonomy over and really gotten excited about. She, you know, made all of her flashcards and she got, she mm. drew them up and drew rainbows on them. And that was a big thing for her to do, you know, and, and the ownership over herself and her creativity and what is going to inspire her every day. So again, that was pretty cool to, to, to watch her and, and to, to help implement that with her too. And there's one more thing that I want to tell, talk about too. There was like a new tactic that we're considering trying, but I want to hear what you 
had, were about to say. So, well, yeah, I mean, I think that's really important, and I want I want everybody who's listening, who's trying to come up with strategies uh, for the kiddos, to take what Colton said uh, very seriously. You know, especially you know, with again, with summer is um, that kind of bundles everything together, right? Uh, or a lot of things. You know, kids want kids want to know what to expect. Um, they want to be involved. The writing things out is a great way to kind of do all that stuff. You have the flashcards. I mean, all these things are just like really just feeding that need. Uh, kiddos with neurodiverge, neurodiverse, uh, you know, disorders. Uh, they really, they really craved having structure. And and when you can create that structure with them, you're you're already instilling the, in them that predictability thing. That's that's giving them that feedback in their brain that they desperately need. So I really just appreciate and honor that you know about you that you did that um, because that that really is going to help her set up her day for success and she's already given you you know positive feedback in in response to that so yeah good on you um the the question that i had is actually based in reward systems uh what do you tell a parent who is like screw reward systems what do you think my kiddo should get a candy bar or, you know at the end of the day because you know they did a good job why don't why should we ex why should they expect some sort of prize for behavior that's just should be part of their every day. You know, I, I don't buy into that. Some people might tell you like, what, what would you say to that? Because I, I do believe the reward system is definitely an opportunity for kids, you know, just, boy, I'm sorry. I'm saying just like, I please, I, 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 I beg your uh, forgiveness on this, but you know, when we are training our dogs, um, we use a treat reward system for them until they get the hang of the behavior. And that's just what they do now, because this is what, this is what they're programmed to do. And, and it's, it's something that helps them with a structured expectation, predictable, you know, a uh, set of behaviors and stuff. I'm not saying our kids are dogs. We are grateful for our complexity as human beings, but a reward system to me makes a heck of a lot of sense when I'm yeah. trying to help my son get through the day and create his set of predictable patterns of behavior that result in peace and calm and regulation. So that's my thought, but honestly, buddy, because I think you all are, are nailing that stuff, even through the chaos of moving, I just wanted to, wanted to hear what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, and I think it's kind of an interesting dichotomy, right? Because um, in that book that I've mentioned a few times, Screen Free Parenting, um, scream parenting isn't just yelling at your kids. That book also can, uh, kind of defines it as the, the negotiation, uh, phase of, of an argument with our kids too. Well, it's, well, if you just do this, I'll just give you this, you know? And I think that it can kind of lead into a slippery slope of like everything that you're asking your kid to do needs to be a reward based thing. I think that there could be some, subconscious manipulation that goes that is easy to fall into you know with your kids that they know that 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 oh well shit okay well i can get this candy bar if they didn't offer me the candy bar yet so i won't say yes until they offer me the candy bar and then i'll do the thing you know which i can see a lot of too but my my uh my argument to that would be like well, damn it, aren't you fucking human too? Don't you need some motivation to get through a task? Don't you need something on the other end, some hope 
to get you over the hump or the hurdle. And I'm not saying like a lollipop for every like chore. And that's why I, I really am a, an, um, a, a believer and advocate in like a, a jar based or, or something that, that fills up and then you get one big reward, right? Like I'm not like dealing out lollipops every day for brushing your teeth and diminishing the, you know, are, are, are trying to get rid of cavities by giving you candy afterwards. You know, like I think that there's some, some pretty, uh, some lines that we got to stay away from and some, some, um, basic, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Why can't I think of it? Common sense things, you know, that, that come up during this, you know? Um, so again, like we, we fill the jar and then you get one big thing afterwards. You get an extra half an hour of video game or screen time if you want, or, or then you get the dessert, then you get the sweet thing. Cause I, yeah, we don't want our kids to have sugar all, all the live long day and dessert isn't an everyday thing in our household too. You know, in fact, we have a rule that if you ask for dessert, you ain't getting it, you know, because our kids will go every 15 minutes. Can I have that cookie? Can I have that brownie? Can I have a popsicle? Can I have a lollipop? And so it's like, you know what, if you ask for it, you ain't getting it. You know, we will decide when you're getting dinner. If you earn your jar, then you can ask for it and you, you have the chance and the opportunity. And again, I think that that also teaches our kids a lot of uh, planning, negotiating, um, you know, what they want out of this and, you know, what they have to earn and work for. It's not just, I get it all today. I'm going to get screen time and this and that. And they got to plan it out. What do I want more of today? What's more important to me? Let, let's prioritize. Let's, let's learn about that, you know? Mm. So, you know, I, I, again, I, I don't really have any advice on it, but I've, I've got a little bit of 50, 50, uh, thoughts on it. You know, I think that it's great. And, but I also think that it can lead into a slippery slope of, of some challenging dynamics that you'll have to dig yourself out of if you're not careful with that. So I think if it's structured in the right way and you're intentional about it, rather than just offering it for everything that you're asking, it can really be beneficial to teaching our kids autonomy, prioritization and organization. Mm, and, you know, I just like, I know the answer to the question that I'm going to ask you, but, um, you know, I think it's important to just kind of speak to it as, as, uh, I'm assuming that there's also praise involved with this reward system. Yes. I mean, obviously, you know, and, and reminding of, didn't you enjoy that? wow, didn't, was that worth it? Or doesn't that feel better now that you earned it or did these things to get it rather than just having it, you know? I mean, mm. you were talking about earlier how, you know, if our kids had it their way, they would just pick screen, 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 right? <laughs> I mean, geez, Naomi did that today. She said, can I play Zelda on the Wii or on the Nintendo Switch? I said, no. Can I watch my iPad? No. 15 minutes later, can I can I watch the show on the TV? No. Well, can I go play Minecraft in your room? Can I go play Sims in this TV? I was like, you just asked every gaming system we have. Can you? No. No screens oh, means man. no screens. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, 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 what I just love about all this is that one thing that's that's evident, you know, it's 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 incredibly clear to me is that, you know, we, I mentioned too the screen thing earlier and how kiddo kept asking me to to check out what he was doing. Like in all of this, there's that connection piece, that connection yeah. component, you know. Yeah, we give them a reward, um, but we're b delivering praise and the praise is something that is incredibly sweet for them and something that you know, if, if it's done well, and, you know, I, I know kiddos, like my kiddo is very much focused on, you know, 
him and what he wants at the moment. So connections are a little bit more in a tight circle. He doesn't have a, a really wide net yet for connections with uh, with different social you know situations. But when it comes to home, you know, he he values very much this connection with mom and his connection with with dad. So when we deliver that reward system of praise and, uh, you know, maybe maybe something at the end of the day that is earned um, as as we see fit, um, he through all that is getting connection. And that's ultimately what gives this reward system so much power, I believe. Yeah. And, you know, every time that they get a handful of pom poms or a gem that goes into the bank, you know, there's a great sense of pride that goes along with that, of completing that task, of earning that, of that praise that they get from us as parents and that they give to themselves and their self-confidence. So, you know, why not create something multiple times throughout the day that they can feel, oh, man, I'm good. Ooh, I did that. You know, ooh, dad's proud of me. You know, I mean, what what greater gift to our kids rather than going, oh, you, your shoes are here again. Oh, you didn't pick that up. Oh, you didn't clean this. You know, now we have these opportunities where it's like, wow, I saw you pick that up. Make sure you give yourself some some gems or pom poms or you're almost there. Almost a couple more things. What are you going to do today to fill the rest up? What chores are you going to decide on doing rather than again, this needs to get done and this needs to get done. They have a whole pool of choices to make of autonomy to create of praise to give themselves. Yeah. I love that. You just, you just basically also told, told, uh, told everybody here that the uh, advantage also is getting them involved. Um, so you're not just a, you're not making the ultimate decision. Sure, you might have had set up a, like a maybe a agreed upon system, but the fact that you're also including them in the activity of of giving themselves a reward, and then you know ultimately that that turns into you know pride, and hopefully you know as they progress in age, that pride is also in seeing the beauty of giving to the person that's receiving. Um, man, that's a that's a that's a powerful system. So uh, yeah, I honor that very much. Yeah, and one of the other uh, things that we were um, kind of looking at for, you know, going back to your previous question, you had asked of what are some of the things that we were rethinking and some of maybe the new strategies that we were looking at given this new diagnosis and moving away from ADHD to ASD. And uh, one of the uh, recommendations in this report was like an intervention behavioral therapy kind of approach. Mm. And so they would have someone, an ASD specialist that comes into our home um, and uh, watches kind of our daily routine, which kind of sounds weird, right? Like a social worker coming into your house to like evaluate like how good of a parent you are, how attentive we are, <laughs> like how intentional we are. But they come into the house and they kind of see like how things are set up, where things are and how the kid operates in the space and they will help you kind of implement systems like the flashcards or like just ways of structuring or organizing or cleaning or, or putting things away or, or together um, as you're moving throughout your day to kind of help uh, based on you know, where your kid's at on the spectrum. And another one of those behavioral therapy intervention was uh, like in social dynamics. So um, it would maybe be like an aftercare program or a camp or something like that with um, other neurodivergent kids that get together and play in a social dynamic and 
can kind of be monitored from a neurotypical adult and to see where maybe some problem areas lie with like social dynamics and empathy and, you know, um, control and, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. And that's something that we've really thought about considering too, you know, that's something that we don't see a lot of as parents, uh, her interacting with a group of other peers in, in a play set setting like that. You know, it's usually that takes place at school, at recess, and we as the parents don't get to witness what that looks like or that expression in her personality or behavior. You know, we have brother and sister at home, but that, that's different with, with peers, with friends, with, with other kids, you know, and, um, you know, one of the expressions of personality that we've noticed with, with, with ours, with our kiddo is, um, empathy can be a, an issue, you know, uh, and, and understanding, um, friends, uh, feelings or wants, <laughs> you know, her, her desires or her needs in the moment seems to take precedent over the collective group. So sometimes mm -hmm. that can be a challenge to get her to say, Naomi, you gotta, there's seven other people that want to do these seven other things. How are you sharing your, your time, you know? And so that's been um, something that we've noticed and something that we definitely feel that we want to help her with, you know, as she grows older, especially as we're moving into junior high age now and we're moving into the double digits of kids and social dynamics are becoming ever more prevalent and, and mm -hmm. going to be a necessity, you know, um, so we definitely don't want to bulldoze or, or, or pave the way for her or helicopter over her, but definitely want to walk alongside of her during that to, um, to be able to answer any questions. And we've noticed her asking a lot of those questions, JJ, about social dynamics. Uh, one the other day was how do adults make friends, mm. you know, and, uh, that I thought that was an interesting question giving our, diagnosis now and you know and she goes because i just go up and i just say do you want to be my friend you know how do adults <laughs> yeah. make friends so that's a good question i think i'm still trying to figure that out sweetie <laughs> you gotta you gotta you gotta be very passive you gotta you gotta say that you want to be friends but you can't be that direct with it you gotta ask them out for a drink not a meal that's too much that's too forward just maybe a drink here or there some coffee for the first handful of times and maybe go out to a social event before you invite them over to your house and then if they say yes to that and they don't ignore you if they don't ghost you then maybe you guys are friends you don't actually say do you want to be friends you just kind of know based on these boxes that you check you know it's like <laughs> she's like i think i like my way better <laughs> yeah, I, said, I do too sweetie totally. i do too <laughs> yeah i i really appreciate the honesty within her to to, to voice that you know and, and um <laughs> uh, of course lots of thoughts are flooded into my you know head of my experience with my kiddo and uh yeah social dynamics are hard and some kids you know uh are some people on the spectrum uh have simply you know isolated themselves not because they they've just given up but because that's where their comfort is too and yeah. you know trying to find what's best for my kid when maybe that is what they're most comfortable with you know how do we do that because of course if they're going to grow into a um, functioning adults there's still got to be some sort of social dynamic involved you know they've got to they've got to you know somehow get through just work balance and uh, you know what that looks like uh, when other people are stakeholders in in the uh, the process of you know, getting through a nine to five job. 
that's that's tough. So how do we, yeah, how do we help bring them up in that? I think it's walking with them and really, really listening and not trying to uh, intervene too much. Because you know, I've I've had conversations with with Cohen, man, where uh, I've I've said, um, you know, buddy, if 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 you choose to always take control of the situation. Um, other kids probably will be a little bit, uh, you know, turned off from that and want to avoid having exchanges with you because really it's just a one-way street. Um, and, you know, each kid wants to have a voice. And uh, and he said to me, well, maybe I don't want friends then. And mm-hmm. I, at that point, I'm just kind of like, uh, <laughs> I, need a, I need a partner tag, tag in a partner here because this, this is just, this one just threw me to the mat and I'm not sure what to do. <laughs> yeah. But um but you know, I've got a I've got a younger brother who uh, who is on the severe end of the spectrum of autism, and you know, any sort of disruption in his day is a big challenge for him. So if I'm going to go visit him, I'm essentially saying, all right, well, I'm going to go disrupt his day now because my visit to him is never something that he's ready for or prepared for because that just throws off his routine. And that's tough to think about. I don't think our kids, you know, yours or mine, are in that situation where they don't want friends. I think they desperately do want friends based on what you said from from Naomi's, what she's what she's even asked about friendships and how they, you know, how do we make friends to, you know, my kiddo's gone up to kids. Um, I haven't heard him do it in a while where he said, you know, do you want to be friends with me with some kid? And then when, you know, they say, yeah, which is just super cute, you know, kids are like, yeah, I'm your friend. All right, let's go march off. And then, you know, and then, then I see Cohen, you know, go from that to let's do this, let's do that. And, they, and one kid will say, well, I want to do this. And he says, no, and, you know, starts controlling yeah. so much of it. I, I have a little bit of a, a challenge uh, ahead of me to, you know, kind of bite my tongue and let the situation play out for him. I don't think he's got the tools yet, unfortunately, to you know, work through that to the point where he is winning people over with, uh, you know, a transaction of, of friendship. Um, so what do you do in those situations? Do you, do you walk with them and then offer up advice or do you let it play out? I haven't figured that out yet. Honestly, I don't, I haven't found the magical elixir for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a a good question because something that I've noticed my, my wife doing more since we've gotten this diagnosis is when we meet new people, she'll, she'll, uh, she'll kind of pre- precedent it with my daughter has autism. My daughter is a ASD. And I don't know how that makes me feel quite yet. You know, like, ah, oh, man, I, I, I understand why my wife does that. And I feel there's, there's been a few times where we've gotten in some awkward social dynamics based on the upfront questions that, that, that our daughter can ask. Right. Um, we just moved into this new house and our, our next door's neighbor's name is, is Lindsay. And, you know, right away, Naomi's that's a girl's name. Boys can't be named Lindsay. You know, she's just so forward and direct with it, you know, and <laughs> we meet the other, the other neighbor, we're getting out of the car and she goes, hi, I'm so-and-such, you know, nice to meet you. And Naomi doesn't even extend her hand or, or say who, who she is. She just goes, can I go inside your house? <laughs> you know, it's, didn't, you, didn't even give her her name yet she just immediately wants to go <laughs> beeline into this woman's house the stranger's house you know so my wife you know after that happened you know she said i'm so sorry my if my daughter said anything to offend you you know she has autism and sometimes she can be a little blunt 
you know, and, and, um, I, again, I, I don't know how I feel about that. You know, like, mm. do we have to, do we have to precedent it? You know, every time we meet it's, somebody, you know, are we, are, is this something to be embarrassed about when, when she's so blunt like that or so honest or, or give somebody feedback, you know, is that, is it something that we need to explain or, you know, is it something that we just let roll, you know, and, and, and how many times has that happened in my life? You know, where I've thought just a little punk kid said, what to me? Little <laughs> where's your, where's your parents, you little fucker, you know, like, maybe I get just that ASD, you know, yeah. like, Buddy, I mean, uh, you know, I, I feel that I feel that really deep um, because, I mean, there's just so much history of, of my own experience that I struggle, you know, with still today is I was severely bullied when I was young and, and uh, it, it really it really took a toll on me then. And, you know, I still I still have, you know, some trauma that I work through because of it. And, um, you know, you've got a kiddo there who's just ready to do something to enjoy something. And she's like, this is what I see. This is what I want. This is what I want to do. And you, you know, you want her to do that in a safe way because she's finding her joy in that moment. Um, I think one thing that's really easy to do uh, as a parent of a kiddo with, you know, neurodivergent um, disorder is, uh, is to apologize and then explain your apology. So I'm sorry, he has ADHD. And that's something that I don't feel good about doing. And I think I've done that before because that's saying like, hey, I'm sorry because my kids have got problems. And I don't think that that's true. Instead, I should say, hey, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know what the best what the best conversation looks like, but I, I'd say, hey, you know, kiddos get ADHD. So there might be some times where he's going to try and steamroll through everybody else's ideas. Um, he wants desperately to have a good connection with them. And this isn't his attempt to try and you know, destroy somebody else's, uh, you know, joy in the situation. This is just where he's at. But it's hard to have those conversations because when a person um, hasn't gone through this, it, it, they get they get that anxiety and that fear when something feels a little off to them because they just haven't experienced it. And that's tough to deal with. I, uh, I had a moment that uh, I wish I, you know, I wish could just be erased from my memory where um, when we were living in Missouri, we had neighbors across the street and their son was a little bit younger than my son. And, um, and they had a little pool in their backyard. They invited us over a few times. And a, a couple of the times, uh, my kiddo, uh, had an emotional response. And when he has emotional responses, sometimes you definitely know he's having an emotional response, big tears, loud screaming. Um, he drools sometimes when he's, when he's crying, he just has a big cry. And, um, the, the last time we hung out with them, you know, I, I told him it was time to get going and he had already tried to play with this that he wasn't allowed to play with. He was splashing too hard in the pool and this kid who's younger than him was in the pool. And so she, you could I could see on her face, like the mother's face that she was feeling uneasy. And I didn't like that feeling because I knew that she she just didn't want to have to put up with that situation. And I'm not blaming people for, you know, saying they should they should put up with everything. But, you know, we parents were trying very hard. So I had said later, um, thank you for inviting us over. I'm sorry that, uh, you know, we left and it was kind of an emotional moment um, for Cohen. Um, but I appreciate you inviting us over. Thank you. And then I got a I got a text response that said, uh, you know, uh, thanks for saying that um, we don't want Cohen to come over anymore. Um, 
because of his energy, it makes us, it makes us uh, feel anxious or nervous. One of those two things. And I didn't reply. Um, I did, I did immediately just want to like, you know, go on, you know, the socials and say, Hey, listen up people, you know, my son desperately wants connection and, and it's hard sometimes, but just to let you know, we are trying every day, trying very hard to have good connections with people. And it just sometimes takes a little bit more effort and patience, but we're trying. And I don't want the world to isolate these kids, isolate these people, you know, by pushing them away saying, you know, Hey, you're not welcome here simply because they don't understand. And they're afraid. I love it when we see his teachers show patience and kindness because he gets through his day so much better when somebody actually takes the time to say, you know what, maybe I should be curious about this rather than push it away. It's not easy. And I'm not saying everybody, Hey, just go out and make friends with somebody who, you know, um, acts different than you. I'm not saying that, but I'm, I am offering up this, you know, one piece of advice is be curious, be kind, you know, everybody's going through something and because somebody acts in a different way, just don't assume that they're an outcast and make them an outcast. Show some love. Cause that, that, that has a permanent stamp on my memory and it's, it's, it sucks because my kiddo just desperately wants friends too. Man, I, I really love hearing you say that because, um, honestly, it's, I think I, 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 I think a lot of us do fall into that trap of, of judgment of like societal norms, cultural norms, what's, what's quote unquote normal neurotypical, you know, we want everybody to, to not make us uneasy or to make us feel weird. You know, we want everybody to have the substandard level of, you know, social norms. And honestly, um, this journey through neurodiversity, um, has been one of the most enriching perspective, eye-opening experiences of my life. Because I did used to be that, that, that kid, that teenager, that punk kid in his twenties, that was like, oh, well, he's this guy being weird. Never even thought crossed my mind of maybe he's neurodiverse. Maybe, maybe there's just a different way of looking at the world. It's not broken. It's not weird. It's not wrong. It's just a different way of looking at the world. And through my journey of getting evaluated over the last year and watching Naomi go through her own journey to be able to connect with her about some of the things that we both experience together and to see how her area of the spectrum is different from mine and how she sees the world over here on this side of the spectrum versus how I'm seeing it over here on this side of the spectrum has been beautiful and humbling and really eye-opening to the world in different ways that I didn't know that I could think of or look at in ways. But I, I can now because I can have these conversations with my daughter that sees it in a different way that I do. And it's so beautiful that I can see the world in different colors now than I could before, you know? And it just sucks that there's so many fucking neurotypical douchebags like that asshole neighbor across the street from you that have this preconceived operation of judgment about them. And just because something makes them feel nervous or uneasy or a little weird that they just want to distance themselves from it and not take part in it and not enrich not only their own lives with a different perspective or a way of looking at life, but that other person's 
because like you said, they were open and they were curious enough to give that kid confidence and autonomy over who they are and not try to mold them into somebody else, you know? So I think that parents like us are not better, but way much more better off because we can look at the world with this open heart and this love. So though there may be some times where we feel we need to apologize for our kiddos or that we need to explain it, you know, I just hope that the person sitting across from me in that moment has enough empathy and an openness to to want to love rather than just distance themselves from from something that that may come across as a little bit different. And again, I, I've been there, man. I, I'm not saying that I'm better than everybody. Shit, I would say five years ago, I was right there in that same fucking mindset. And, you know, we've had a lot of neurodivergent friends come over our house and, and stay weekends with us and go on outings with our family and stuff like that. And the first handful of times I, I was very apprehensive. I'll be honest. There was a fear in me that this isn't normal. This is I don't know how to deal with this. This it makes me uncomfortable because I just feel so ill equipped to handle if something went wrong or what do I do? What's my place? What what can I say? You know, and that can make you very unnervous and uncomfortable. But I'll tell you, like the courage of working through that and being present in the moment for whatever came up. I've had some beautiful moments with some beautiful kids that I wouldn't have had because I was too stuck in my fucking fear or my prejudgment of people. But because I was able to just, you know what, let's be curious and show up. I've learned so much. I've learned how to care for my daughter. I've learned how to have empathy and I've learned how to show up for people. You know, so just a shame that there are people out there like that that would rather just, you know, not not look in a kid's direction than open their arms to them. You're on mute, bud. No, you're not on mute. I just can't hear you. See, man, I the last handful of times we have had so many technical difficulties. <laughs> I guess this will just be the the Coley show and the tail end of this since JJ can't chime in to give his two cents. There it is. There he is. (laughs) I wanted to add something to to that. What what we what we just kind of talked about with with other people. You know, a lot of times these kids with neurodiversity they 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 give us like real good gateway opportunities like Naomi saying ah Lindsay's the girl's name like that's just you know that's that's innocence talking that's what her world of understanding is and now you have a great opportunity to just kind of chuckle about it and, and have have a conversation with the person and with with her I think I think that's brilliant and you know honestly like Cohen did that one time with a, a classmate of his who's uh um, whose uh, father is white and his and his and his mother is um, of Asian descent. And uh, when Cohen first met the father, he said, "You don't, you know, Kai, you don't look like your dad." And I just thought that was cute and innocent. There was no, you know, there was no ill intent there. He wasn't, you know, saying anything racist or anything. It was just an observation. To us adults, we, you know, we kind of, we kind of chuckled. I chuckled at it, you know, and I didn't, I didn't see it as an offensive thing. I thought it was a, a great opportunity to, uh, 
let the kid kind of just get his, you know, get his observation out and, and uh, maybe make a connection with the dad, which, uh, you know, Cohen broke the ice there. Um, it was, it was cute. It was, it was cool. Um, it, there could be a conversation with Cohen later to talk about, yeah, well, you know, people look different across the world and that's part of the beauty of it. And this person got together with this person, you know, he looks this way, she looks this way. He, his accent is this and her accent is this. How cool is that, that we as human beings come together and, and, uh, you know, and, and make something beautiful happen. Um, but in that moment, I'm like, cool, Cohen, it's just, talking observations and we get to have you know a little bit of fun with that rather than thinking like oh crap i have i just want to let you know i'm sorry my kid doesn't have a filter you know he's a mistake you know this all these things that he does it's just it, it's not something i would do and i'm i'm I just i can't believe this is happening i'm so sorry no instead it's like oh yeah you know cool conversation piece awesome he made this icebreaker well, you know, I think you just kind of brought it home for me, buddy. And I'd like to thank you for that because I'm sitting here going, I don't know how I feel about that when my wife says, I'm sorry, my daughter, you know, I'm sorry, apology explanation, like we were talking about. And I said, I don't know how I feel about that. But honestly, I, I think you just brought it home for me. And I think I feel great about it. You know, I think what a great opportunity this is to have a conversation with somebody and inform them and open them up to my world of what neurodivergence looks like and how uh, we can analyze the world differently through this lens. So, you know, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with apologizing. You know, I'm not apologizing for my daughter or for the behavior of my daughter. I'm just apologizing if there's, if there's ill feelings that were felt in the reaction to that, you know, and, and, and let me follow up that apology with an explanation of why I'm not sorry but I'm just sorry that you felt that way. I'm not sorry about my daughter, you know, because this is great. This is a great superpower. And this is why you should be curious about it and not want to not be around my daughter because of it. So I think you just uh, gave me some hope there and some confidence with the next time that that question get asked. And I'm going to bring out my PowerPoint now and I'm going to say, well, I'm so glad you asked. I have, I've been working on this color chart here <laughs> to tell you everything ASD related. So... <laughs> But man, um, we're going to have to start splitting these uh, topics into like two topics because we we go in and we say, this is what we're talking about, summer scheduling and summer intention. And then halfway through it, our little ADHD neurodivergent brains go on our tangents and we end up on some different topic and we never get to half the questions that we say we're going to ask each other. So, uh, you know, we went into this with summer strategies and we kind of went on uh, support for for ASD and, and, and our neurodivergent journeys. So, uh, man, I, I love it though. So thanks for hanging out, JJ. And, and thanks for all the, the great conversation. There's some, some really good stuff in there, man. So I, I hope the listeners enjoyed as well. Yeah. Thanks buddy. Um, and technical difficulties aside. Yeah. It's uh, been a, a fantastic. Uh, it's JJ's fault this time. Not mine guys. It so, is. Right. It is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, all right guys, we'll let you go, but thanks for tuning in and, and thanks for supporting us and please like comment, share and subscribe all that jazz. We love hearing from you. So please engage with us. Please let us know how your journey is going. And if you have any questions for us or, or anything about the stuff that we talk about, the guests that we have on or the resources that we give you guys. So, Thanks, guys. Uh, until next time, this is the ADH Dads. I'm CJ. I'm JJ in a tin can. And we'll talk to you next time. Do, 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 do.